IUOK is a suicide prevention charity in Australia and it encourages all of us to notice the signs of um, someone going into, say, um, mental health or depression and, and some people struggling um, with mental health and, and how to talk to people and, and how to ask them, are you okay, and have that conversation and inspire and empower people to have that meaningful connection and conversation with each other about what is going on for them. And so the day is to bring that to a, a, an awareness. It's a day of awareness and recognition and really put that on the table for people and have that question, you know, and just have a yarn, are you okay? You know, just in the midst of this COVID epidemic and, you know, we've seen it really affecting the, especially New South Wales, the rural communities there. How, what, what is the trend and how are you seeing sort of people's mental health through this period of COVID? Well, you know, that, you know, the theme for this year or the year, this year, the message is, are they really okay? Ask them today. And it's about having that conversation again, asking, are they really okay? And recently I saw some, I heard some data coming out of New South Wales in particular and Victoria, and what they were saying is that there's been a 30% increase of young people um, diagnosed with mental health. Now, that is really, really concerning, and that's over this, this period of um, COVID-19 and the lockdown, and that is really, really concerning because what we're seeing is, you know, people are forgetting about or, or they're not... Because they're not coping in... Sorry. Because people aren't coping in lockdown... We're also seeing that um, people are, you know, you get onto a Zoom. I'm just going to do an example for you. So you get into a Zoom meeting or you get into a, a, a Teams meeting or something and people have their camera off or people sit there in their pyjamas. Mm. And you need to start bringing back in work ethics and, and etiquette into a Zoom or a Teams meeting and encourage people to get dressed as though they are at work encourage people to have their camera on and have their mic on so that they can have the conversation so people can see each other and you can ask somebody on you know hey are you okay and and doing that mental health check right around that conversation before you even start spend 15 minutes take the time to check in and say hey what did you do today even if even if somebody's in lockdown what did you do and if somebody says i slept all day say, well what about you know doing an online Scrabble game or playing cards online or, you know, you can you can do... There's things you can do and become really, really creative in that social interaction because young people, those statistics of 30% increase of young people having mental health tells us that young people really are feeling left out and unsupported and we need to pull them back because if you look at Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander suicide rates, mm. you know, it's young people that have that are taking their lives at five times that to non-Indigenous young people. So we need to really make sure we check in on each other and, and ask that question, are they really okay? You know, are you? And just really go into that next level of that yarn or that conversation. It's a sad reality in 2019, suicide accounted for um, by about 5.7 or yeah, nearly 6% of all deaths of Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander people compared to 1.9% of the non-Indigenous population. That's pretty high. Um, and, and so when we, when we have that sort of, you know, those rates and, the, and then we see the age standardisation rates, um, the death rates, 2001 to 2019, at 27% um, and 12.7% in 2009. And then, you know, seeing that, 
that um, over ten percent in that age standardisation death rate. I mean, it does become depressing. And you know, and there's I was at a meeting the other day a few months back, and this brother did the welcome to country, and he then he started talking about how many people in his family took their lives, you know, by suicide, and and I was really stunned. And I thought, you know, you know what? It's, we don't want that baton. We don't. We don't want that. We, you know, we should be standing there saying, you know what? This is how many people in my family picked up on preventing that suicide. This is how many people in my family that empowered each other. This is how how many in my family that said, oh, you know what? I was I was able to go and get go and study a, a degree or a, or a certificate at TAFE, and I showed my cousin how to do it. And then she showed her son, and then they showed their children. There's the stories we want to start hearing. They're the stories that we want to empower people, each other with. Not we, you know, we need to move away from this this deficit of talking about suicide as if it's normal. It's not normal, mm. and it's not okay. And it's culturally, like in our culture, when you, you know, like, like, you know, like when you understand, and you would understand this. Um, you know, when you understand the, the kinship system, right? And you, we know about um, the first levels of kinship of moiety, which we, we're taught. And I know the years, it takes years for us to to fully move, like fully move in a space where you understand kinship. But, and and because kinship is over, is, is, is um, like taught to us over periods of time. It's not by our age, it's by our maturity and, and you know, and how the elders see it. Um, but you, and you know, we also had that responsibility of totem and, and to country and to land and, and to culture and to our people. And you, you, that, so when you think about it in that sense, you know, who picks up the responsibility if somebody takes their life by suicide? Who's going to be responsible for the totem and that, that, you know, connection to country? And, you know, what is that ancestral cost and spiritual cost on our families? You know, like, it's, it's when you're angry, sometimes people are so angry in the moment or, or feeling like there's nothing left or nowhere else to turn. And when, if they could just, you know, just hold on and go and talk to somebody, they could probably find that there is, there's actually an answer. You know, and we can work this out and we can walk together and, and we can, you know, you go a simple thing is that connection back to country and sitting there and, and talking to the ancestors, talking on the wind and, and, you know, supporting each other and making sure that we're there for each other because that's empowering. That's letting each other know, like, it's okay. Come on, let's yarn. What's going on for you? Let's work this out together. You know, as an Aboriginal bloke um, growing up, like, I feel there's, you know, as a collective, there's this, I suppose, this inner battle going on with... You know, walking in two worlds. Um, but, you know, how do you tap into that mindset? You know, because I feel, I see a lot of countrymen and I feel like there's a broken, there's a broken spirit. And, um, like, we have a lot of youth issues at the moment, which is, you know, a national thing. But there's a lot of youth running around where it's been a generational, intergenerational. Their parents were doing the same thing. And a lot of these kids don't have anyone to talk to. Um, like, how do you approach it? When you when you're speaking and working with Aboriginal communities, so what I often do is um, um, so I often 
I openly will talk about my totem that I inherited from my grandmother and my responsibilities in relation to my totem. And I also connect that to what I do today. So, like, the to- one of the totems I inherited from my grandma was the mangrove seed pod. And I, when you think about the mangrove seed pod, it, it drops it drops on the king tide and then it goes into, you know, onto a sand beach and or another, you know, whatever, an island, whatever, a sand beach, whatever, on the mainland, whatever. And it creates life. It creates another network. It creates, you know, and that's what mangrove trees do. Mangroves, they plant themselves, they root themselves into the ground and they create all these other trees. And then all of a sudden, the fish have somewhere to hide, the prawns have somewhere to lay the eggs. You know, it creates this whole ecosystem of life. And so for me, I think, well, that's, that's what, you know, that's that. And so all my work that I do, I, I, like I work with suicide prevention with com- and with communities and, and, you know, and helping people to empower themselves, Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander people to empower themselves in their communities and, and asking simple things, you know, like, and sharing the knowledge what I've learned from another community. Like I was up in, um, I was up in Mowa Island and I was yarning to people from um, Wadja Wadja country and, and I said to them, you know, I was, it was really interesting that every Thursday and Sunday night, what they do is they have family night at the community hall and there's no alcohol allowed and they have families come down and they play darts together as a family and there's competition between the families mm. and then they play pool together as a family. And, you know, in the and sometimes they... Sometimes, because it's really, really hot up there, um, sometimes they get the generators and they play basketball at night as a family. And this is just to let the kids know that the family are there to support them. And anyway, and I was talking to this fellas from Woodsville, and they were saying, they just looked at me and they said, that's a really good idea. And I said, yeah. I said, you need to know in your community where you can access funds to get these community programs set up. So these these not got um, a, a community justice program set up. And I said to them, you know, you can, why can't you get the funding from the police youth club? Because you, it's, it's, it's no alcohol, no drug use. You know, you work in the justice area and you use the mums and the old elders and, you know, you can create the space for young people so that young people start to see that there's a program for them to do, that there's something else to do. And you start doing something like this and you might, you might plan the program for 12 weeks because 12 weeks can, is enough to, you start seeing a change. People go, oh, okay, I've been doing this for 12 weeks, but I might just keep doing it. So we start seeing that, that change happening, but slowly. But, it, you know, and it does, but it does start happening. And then the other thing I always say to communities, like, you know, sit in and, and talk with your kids, like, and take the time. Even if, you know, even if it's not even your child, it's your sister's kid, and like, I understand kinship, and so it could be, you know, that... You, you know, you're, like some say, you know, like, um, I don't know how you say it, like cousins and stuff. Mm. Um, and like, it, and it's just sitting with next to somebody and, and, and just yarning and saying, you know, this is what, and, and bringing back the old stories and yarning those old stories because a lot of our stories, if you remember, a lot of our stories about consequence and about responsibility and about, you know, how we achieve something. And, and, they're, and they're really empowering. And when you start taking that story and then say, okay, so this is, if this is happening for you in a, in a, at school, and you think about that story and, and, you know, this is what's going on for you. Like with my own son, when he went into depression, you know, I, I remember sitting there with him. He's now 23 and 
but he went into serious depression when he was um, 15, 14. And people said he wasn't really Aboriginal and they told him he was dumb and he was dumb Aboriginal. And he went into really serious depression. And um, and it really, I remember sitting with him and I said to him, honey, I said, remember our totem? I said, we have a responsibility to the earth. I said, you stand up. I said, don't you let them speak to you like that. I said, you stand up and remember our totems. We have a responsibility. I said, if you need to ring me up and I come into school with you, you, you ring me straight away. And I said, I will come and do that. I said, I will make the time. And I said, I'll come in at lunchtime and we have lunch together. And I said, and I'll talk to the teachers. And I said, I'll talk to those kids. I said, we need to, I said, you need to know that I'm here 100% supporting you. And I pulled him through it. And, you know, and I did things like um, taking him down the beach and I sat next to him on the, because, you know, you, you talk, like if you sit um, near a tree and you start talking to the ancestors and the, the thought is that, um, you know, it's, the ancestors decide and help you to um, understand what just happened. And so I used to just get him to do that. And just all that talking really made a difference. And sometimes, you know, I'd get him to face the other way, not look at me, and I'd face the other way. So he was just talking and talking and talking. And I would just ask simple questions just to keep him talking. Mm-hmm. And um, and it just made a difference. And now my son's 23 and, and you know, he's, he recognises that he was in a really... He said to me, I said, Mum, I'm so grateful that you came and supported me. And, you know, he was in a space where he couldn't even sleep on the bed by himself. I had to... Like, I'd sleep on a mattress on the floor and let him hold my hand so he could sleep and he'd feel safe. And it just, that, that went on for nine months. And I took all the locks off all my doors and everything. And, you know, I just... As a parent, as an Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander mum going through that, I just remember sitting there thinking, oh please, please don't let this happen. This is not going to happen to me. I'm not going to let this happen. Like, mm. this is not going to happen to my son. And I had to, you know, I had to remind him that our culture was okay and it's okay to be Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander. And, you know, like, we are good people, you know. And, and I, you know, and because I like looking at data, so sometimes I'd say to him things like, I remember once I said to him, you know, you know, about 29% of Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander people don't drink. I said... And um, he'd look at me and he'd say, why are you telling me that? <laughs> <laughs> Stats are handy. And I said, yeah, yeah. yeah, well, I said to him, because I don't want you to think that, you you know, you should start drinking because you're not, because people are being racist to you. I said, if people are being racist, I said, that's their problem. That's not your problem. Mm. I said, stand up. You're a traditional owner of the land. I said, walk in your power. And he mm. said, and he just sort of looked at me and I said, come on, step up. We got this. Mm. And I said, don't be afraid. I said, we are, we are the first people of this country. I said, our ancestors walked here. I said, we can't help with colonisation, but, you know, let's step up. And I think that's a, as parents, we have that responsibility as aunties, as mothers, as sisters, as brothers, as grandparents. We have that responsibility to check in on each other and say, hey, you know, are they really okay? Is that not of the head meaning that there's something more? 